0: Welcome back to another edition of the Y-Hockey Periodical Podcast. We're really, we're really
1: putting the periodical in periodical. <laughs> At least you are.
0: <laughs> With me periodically is Matthew O'Brien, original Y-Hockey founder.
1: It's good to be back.
0: It's good to be, good back. be back. Good to be back in hockey season for sure. We have and a fish- full season. A full season. We have <laughs> games played. We have full divisions for every division. No division gets a. The easy way out with uh, one less team. Uh, we'll talk about the Seattle Kraken in their two-game debut so far. Uh, new new coverage provider, ESPN+, TNT, some of the old coverage providers, <clears throat> NHL Network. Um, <laughs> sucking. Uh, so, I mean, we've been doing this podcast, unfortunately. Long time. Almost as long as we played hockey <laughs> together. Um, but... Well, the amount of seasons where, I mean, it'd be October 15th, like it is today, and we would be pessimistic, pretty much New York Mets, New York Jets, the season's already over. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal start to the season so far.
1: Yeah. It's been exciting. You know, like we said, it's just nice to have a full uh, set of games scheduled and, um, Barring anything crazy, um, being able to take place. We're not, unfortunately, going to have hockey in August anymore, which I enjoyed in 2020. But um, <laughs> That just means we got to bring back the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's great to be back, and um, the Panthers are certainly looking good. Kraken um, didn't look great in the first period against Vegas, um, but the jersey sure did. The white jersey uh, for Seattle is, I think, the best one in the league right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I wanted to talk about Seattle, but you brought up a great point. They definitely have one of, if not the best, white jersey. Uh, white Red Wings is also up there, uh, and white Canadians uh, as well. I I always liked the white jerseys. I always thought it was pretty, pretty stupid that the NHL has, you know, depending on if it was old school where they had whites at home, colors away. Uh or the new version where it's white at home, and fans get to see all the different colors coming in of visiting teams. I always thought it was weird they didn't like do both. I mean, you have division pots coming into your building three times a a year or two times a year. You can't,
1: can't yeah, do both I mean, I guess technically you can pick what you wanna wear um I just you know I would yeah. like to see that exercise a little more that yeah. would be it would be fun to see the white jerseys that Loose, loosening the
0: pre-game attire we're starting to see that we're starting to see more third jerseys more theme jerseys retro jerseys etc so hopefully those jersey standards will because i mean the nfl i mean we don't watch the nfl but they apparently have color rush games where both teams wear like bright colors and stuff like
1: that or crazy colors which works and- it's yeah. easier for me to see it if there's two different colors on the screen on the white ice rather than a, a green field so <laughs> yeah yeah the uh <laughs> of
0: being colorblind but uh, I think you know going back and looking at Vegas expansion compared to St. Lu- uh, not St. Louis I'm just looking at the STL <laughs> uh, Seattle um, you know we were way more positive excited hyped up and on the bandwagon for the Kraken than we were in Vegas I don't know if it was the military bent or it was taking our players or, you know, the, the Florida Panthers West version of, of Vegas or what. But um, something with the Kraken is is much more um, glass
1: half full for us. Yeah, even though they're, they're probably not as good of a team on the ice as, as Vegas was in their first season. But,
0: but I also think that they're not as as bad. Um, because you know, if you looked at the Vegas roster on paper, I think you know we forget how much like heavy lifting Derek Englin did in the first year, which was kind of like a intangible feel good story that you know they picked them hoping it would happen. But um, I'm not so sure it was like they picked the best
1: player. Yeah, and I mean you have to account for to you know I-, I think Seattle made significantly fewer trades um, than Vegas did in their uh, like kind of free offseason there. Right. Um, because you know GM's got wise; they they weren't gonna just give up, uh, you know, good young players, uh, for nothing like they were for Vegas, um, uh, like to promise to not take some of their roster players. They were just fine with saddling them with the people on the roster they didn't <laughs> right. want this right. time. So do do you feel like GM
0: Ron Francis and and his front office made the right decision of hey, if they're not gonna meet what we're asking for in the trade market, we're not gonna lower our ask. Do you think that's more beneficial than just maybe getting players right away? Because down the road, he's going to be taking it a little more seriously, possibly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think you are hoping that some of these guys that you did pick, um, who were kind of cast off from their old teams, you know, get off to a good start and, and have a good season going, um, and then turns out they have uh, maybe some extra value uh, than they had in the, right. in the off season at the and at the expansion draft. So, I mean. A lot of uh, people out there are saying that they, you know, they, they can, they should make the playoffs. I, I don't know if they can. They could because they're in the Pacific, I guess, and that division <laughs> right. is not great. But, uh, like, I, I think we should lower our expectations a little bit for Seattle. Um, enjoy the season. And at the end of the day, that is what expansion is supposed to be. You are supposed to, you know, take these cast offs. Um, you know, struggle for a few years and then you can bring in your own team and, and really create an identity around it rather than just being, you know, oh, this person's former star and this team's former star. Uh, I, I think it's a lot better for like the community around the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, I see them also in that playoff bubble. Yeah. Maybe they'll get in, but maybe they won't. And whether they do or don't, I don't think that really impacts my feeling about the team or whether it's a successful year. I think their metrics are a little different. It's about fan engagement, merchandise sales, t- season ticket sales, future ticket se- sales, sponsorships, who partnerships they can engage around the Washington area, things like that. Um, getting their games off of NHL Network so more people can can watch. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the coverage in a bit when we're done with Seattle, but um, – I was really surprised that they they already lost a player through waivers uh, yesterday. Defenseman Dennis Cholowski. You know Choloski <laughs> because uh, back when we were when uh, we did that draft class uh, for Choloski, he was a late first rounder and someone I was uh, pretty keen on. Uh, not just because he was Polish, <laughs> but also uh, I I thought he had you know the intelligence, the passing skill, and stuff to be the type of defenseman I like. Uh, I think Washington or Carolina or somebody picked him up like that. So we're going to end up seeing him a little more. Um, but, you know, that's a kind of an instance where you can kind of point to right now in the immediate aftermath of, hey, they took a guy from Detroit and then knew probably he was going to get lost on waivers or he ended up getting lost on waivers. Maybe they should have done some more movements, some more trades, looked at some more options. Um, but also at the same time, it's like, you're going to have to lose somebody, even if they took all their picks and did all their signings. You know, every team throws waivers. Um, and, you know, last week we were talking about how I wish, you know, the Panthers maybe held on to Montembeau to maybe get a pick out of it instead of losing him on the waiver wire. He plays his first game, gets torn up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> how much value, <laughs> You know, like how much value really was there as much as we like the guy and everything or, um, you know, it, it's –
1: I feel like, too, this year it's been a little more active um, on the waiver wire. I think there's been a a, a few more claims, I feel like, or at least players that usually would pass through in a bit of a gentleman's agreement, like, yeah, we won't take them. We'll let them go down to the AHL. Um, And, you know, it kind of started with that offer sheet, too, um, which you don't see very often, let alone a successful one.
0: And I mean, there's if you look at this
1: waiver wire, there's definitely some,
0: like – Montebo gets picked, Patrick Brown gets picked, like Zach McEwen gets picked. Yes, we're talking about guys that related to the Flyers and the Panthers, but sometimes not the best players get picked, and you kind of feel like ahead of the waiver wire, there's the pa- players that get picked are the players that the teams waving them work to try to get picked up. Um, and I think when Montebos case, it was a little bit of doing right by the player gibson's going well you know gibson and Montebo both have to go through waivers so you know let's give the and, and, and chance you're assuming you're
1: not going to need Montebo up at the nhl level this year for the first time yeah. in a long I time mean, it feels like and um, you know yeah like you said he spent his time he's paid his dues in the ahl he is a, a decent enough goalie um that he, he can get you yeah know, 15 20 starts in a year and and be acceptable i, I would think
0: we Montembeau, I mean, again, to go back to some of our past draft rankings, was the goalie we had ranked highest in his draft class. I don't know. I haven't really gone back and looked up if if that's really panned out or not, but I feel like, you know, a third round or fourth round, I can't remember if it was fourth round or third, uh, but I think it was third. Third round goalie turning into a league average backup is still, you know, a successful goalie pick with how hard they are to develop and, and project, so... I definitely don't look at the whole experience of Montbello in Florida constantly getting moved down the totem pole because they were bringing in new goalies etc um as a wasted pick or anything because that's the cost of doing business. You know, that's something Florida and Philadelphia have never really done which was you have to waste goalies to get good goalies. And it sucks for that those individuals that, you know, don't pan out for you, but hopefully like you said they pan out somewhere else. Montreux is a great place for someone who played Growing up in the you know, <laughs> yeah in it the speaks and French stuff. Yeah, he's he's they, gonna
1: be loved if he can yeah. you know shrink together some wins or something yeah, maybe get some free he's gonna be free fan dinners and some free drinks <laughs> and stuff you
0: know well you know best of luck to Sam Montembeau uh, bringing it back uh, to Seattle Kraken um, the one thing I think we're probably gonna do and and hopefully O'Brien you'll be on the podcast a little more uh, this year is you know kind of keep up with the Kraken and do a little more team-oriented West coverage when we have the chance. And I think, you know, Kraken, last night we watched the Kings, uh, which is a pretty intriguing, promising team with a lot of different age groups and talent levels and everything. So who knows how that's going to end up. But, you know, we're big Rob Blake fans, Mm. so him under GM is going to be good. And, uh, you know, obviously the abs are going to be exciting and have a rivalry with the Golden Knights, so that'll be interesting to keep track of. So... We'll definitely be talking about the Kraken more uh, and more. Kind of like Frederick Dougra- Douglass, you'll be hearing more and more about him <laughs> as we move forward. <laughs> Is that a good segue to end? <laughs> that, was, that was good. That okay. was good. Um, so we've had some more heated than they'll be on this podcast. <laughs> we've had some pretty passionate conversations about the broadcast coverage of ESPN, TNT, nhl network and and how this has all worked overall you know there is a positive espn plus i mean if you're already if you're already getting the bundle you know with hulu and disney plus and all that stuff you got little kids or whatever or you just like some thick animated moms whatever no one's judging you you know you already have that so it's not that much more to get espn plus when you're getting espn plus i mean this isn't a paid advertising but i love watching russian hockey you can get, watch that during the day. I love watching Italian soccer. I can watch that. You know, I get NCAA. I get some women's hockey. I can
1: watch my Princeton Tigers. Um, so I, I'm pretty happy with that. But I'm and, also. And it I, is a good value. I mean, I think they yeah. were saying the other night if you just got, um, like, you know, ESPN Plus and, and only watched. Uh, got, like, the basic package on ESPN Plus and, and only watched the NHL, it's seven cents a game or something. It, yeah. It's a lot better value i had to watch a lot of hockey on nhl tv to to get down to seven cents a game <laughs> yeah you felt you needed to watch the yeah. two to three
0: games a night you know flip through two the seven o'clocks and then fall asleep to attend to, to get the most of it um and you know but there i like it because i already have it you know the the you know having all of you know, it's just easier for me, but you brought up a lot of good points and stuff that there are, you know, it's not flawless. It's not perfect. It's new. Um, there's going to be some changes. Uh, and, you know, whether it's through Hulu or through the ESPN Plus app, it's a little lengthy to find the appropriate game. Sometimes you have to go through college softball and, you know, college basketball and all that stuff to get to get there through all the live games or you have to go through browse and pick the sport and all that stuff um you know or hulu you know the live sports the nhl seems to be it's not as
1: simple as going up to the banner clicking watch now and you know being easily able to find what games are live what games are on where they're at in the game yeah um, what the score is you, you pull up the live
0: guide i guess you would say you know the the grid of you know channels and all that stuff espn plus channels don't really show up there so you mm-hmm. can't you know it, it, it's it's something to get used to for sure um but i think the the one thing that is going to be a pain point and could have actual negative impact is something we've both brought up to each other which was an network is impossible to get through espn plus you can't if you go and even if you can find the game on espn plus which usually you can't it will tell you you're blacked out um, to geolocations. But it doesn't matter, VPN, no VPN, wherever you are in the world, you're going to get geolocked. Um, not every TV carrier has NHL network. Mm-hmm. It's a premium. You have to pay and, for and it. And you
1: have to pay for if you want NHL network then you have to get like, you know, NBA network. You have to get six or seven other channels that right. you generally don't touch if you're if you're only buying right. it for NHL network. Which in the past is like, okay, I don't have to get NHL
0: network because I already have NHL TV, the next day I can watch this game on demand. You know, for people for a lot of people who are that into a hockey, they're they're willing to do that. You know? I played money, I want to watch this game, I'll get it. I'll be able to. That's fine. That's a. I feel whole. Yeah. Nowadays, I can't even go into ESPN Plus the next day or NHL.com the next day and watch it on demand. You were. I was saying that ESPN is a rights holder. They should be able to tap in and and play that. You have MLB, BAM, whatever. That's you know we paid money to have them. We have an NHL Network channel. There there should be a way to get ESPN to stream that. Your, your idea was, why don't they just throw it on NHL.com? They don't even that, have that, to work with ESPN. That's what I don't understand.
1: Is, you know, if you're going to put a game on, um, and, and especially like the other night, which was where this frustration came from, they put Seattle-Nashville on NHL Network. and it, Seattle's a team everyone was looking forward to watching. The NHL wants everyone to watch them, and in Game 2 of the season just completely closed them off yep. to a large chunk of their market. Now, I watched Panthers game. I was only going to be able to see the third period of the Kraken game, but that was the third period. It was a close game. That was a period I wanted to watch before I switched over to the Kings game. I'm glad I watched the Kings game still, but uh, right, yeah. I-, I wanted to keep my eye. The Kraken Art team I want to follow this year, and uh, it's going to be tough if I'm just not able to watch them uh, several nights uh, you know, of the season.
0: Yeah, so you hear that NHL Network, NHL.com, NHL League Office, ESPN Head Offices in Connecticut. We will find something to complain about if we can't complain <laughs> about the Panthers. We will. <laughs> and,
1: and I will say on, on the regular ESPN channel, um, like on TV, um, like the, the first games of the season, the broadcast is really good. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. the announcers, eh wishy you they either new you, i think you know play-by-play is that what you're talking play about play-by-play and like intermission analysts is right it it could be stronger but they're working together for the first time for the most part so I'll, yeah i'll let that develop gotta find out uh, yeah but i do i did really enjoy um i think it was in was it the colorado game or the, the early game they do just turn off the play-by-play for yeah. a, a couple minutes and i think they call it the rush and just let you get the sounds of the ice, and that that's really nice. And that's, the music. That's what, I mean, and ideally, the, <laughs> that's what we would pay for is yeah.
0: just the sounds of the game, hear the players you know, cuss and trash talk and all that stuff. Um, and also, I mean, I think we should wrap this up on a positive before we get on to the Cats and the Flyers is the TNT crew were great. I mean, they, they were obviously still feeling each other out. I mean, how is Charles Barkley and Wayne Gretzky going to have – Chemistry at this point already. I mean, but it showed that they had a natural chemistry that they were willing to laugh at themselves, laugh at each other, you know, and just be regular, personal people. Yeah, there was times where Gretzky didn't know where the camera was, or you know, was walk would start to walk away from a segment, or you know, or you know, same with you know some of the other people on the panel. But at the end of the day, everybody was on social media talking about how funny, how great. Um, that was, you know, how they want Barkley to be coming back more, how personable, relatable, funny, um, you know, intelligent and insightful Wayne Gretzky was, which is exactly what you want. You know, Mr. Hockey. Yeah. You know, because he
1: is now the new it, Mr. Hockey. And it was fun too um, on a couple of the broadcasts. You know, I think it was like Messier and Chelios were, were just joking around, talking about the old days and stuff. Um, <laughs> what? When they used to play as old guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my favorite um, for the Colorado game, they had um, Darren Pang uh, just just trashing Don Koharski, who, who was on the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there's, there's a lot
0: of – there's a lot more personality and a lot more getting outside the box and stuff in, in the coverage um, in the studio, especially the pregames and stuff. So even like they opened up the Panthers game on ESPN Plus at 6.30. It started at 7. So you basically get the – streaming screensaver for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. until the game starts which is
1: terrible because you don't know if you get lagged and then you don't know you're not live i wonder i wonder
0: if espn will start like they do like a nhl show at lunch or you know at the end of the night like the recap from the night before just start you know every game starts with a 30 minute recap show that they already shot last night or something better than dead air um because I I would tune in for for that even a like the longer.
1: goals of the week and stuff that used to be on NHL yeah. Network and stuff at like commercial breaks and all that yeah
0: yeah Jamie <laughs> Jamie interrupting us with the goals of the week <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah all right well I guess I guess now it's time to move forward to uh, Florida Panthers obviously we have last night's game to talk about then we'll kind of bring it out to three thousand feet. Um, kind of talk about what to expect with the season and everything. But last night's game, let's just start with where the majority of the conversation was last year, in net.
1: Bobrovsky looked great. Yeah, he looked really good. He looked a lot more comfortable. Um, he wasn't. Um, I mean, you could argue he he overslid on the the goal that went off Weegar, but you you kind of have to do that to try and block the pass from coming out front. Um, yeah. But he looked a lot more comfortable. Um, he wasn't over moving. Um, he made a couple of incredible saves that allowed the Panthers to either you know stay in the game or uh, you know let them win the game uh, at the end there. Right before they scored the goal, uh, a fantastic stop on the breakaway. Yeah,
0: yeah. And these were you know series of saves. Uh, in the past, we've seen Burrows. make one good save and then you know f- fiddle with the rebound and, and it goes in or something like that. This was, you know, save the breakaway, saves the rebound, saves the chance coming back out into the slot, and then they can finally get the clear. Um, Definitely a little more in control of his pads, especially when the, you know, the top of his pads above his knee. Last year we would would notice that they would rub against each other, they would set weird, and it would kind of open up his five hole more because he'd fight against that. Um, This year it seems like he has a little more feel for it. This is only, you know, he switched to true pads last year. That was the first time he's really even changed pads or even got new pads in really in the NHL. So it, you're hoping that's the issue. Kind of like Drew had a really bad year because he needed two years to get used to his hip, his new hip, you know?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think not really having a preseason last year um, wasn't great for Bobrovsky. Uh, he was late getting to Florida in the first place. He missed the first couple games. Um, And I don't think he ever really settled down uh, after that. Um, So this year, you know, it seemed like he was there, you know, when he should have been, you know, had some time to get used to being back in in Florida um, and and get used to his equipment again and stuff like that. Um, Last year was a really tough year for goalies. I I think, you know, they even said when the season was starting back up that they weren't no one was really ready because you can't really work on goalie stuff by yourself when you're not allowed to be with another person. Yeah. Those so. NHL
0: game pace and conditions are so hard to replicate in a training, you know, in practice even with an NHL team, let alone training when it's just you and goalie coaches and a couple shooters you hire or, you know, professional Europeans guys around, you know, um, one of the things I thought was really telling with Bobrovsky is, yes, he had that delay of game where he played the puck, but he also didn't feel like he needed to play the puck as much. Um, and I wonder if that's because they, they are mo- more mobile. They ended the year last year more mobile on the back end than they started, and even this year they're they're even more mobile. Um, Ekblad's uh, recovery
1: withstanding, he was a <laughs> little bit of a Bambi at times. It was nice um, to have him back out on the ice, yes. though, even <laughs> – even he'll admit he couldn't skate well last night, but uh, just his presence um, on the ice yeah. just makes such a big difference to that blue line.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, at a point with Bobrovsky, it was 4-2 Pittsburgh. Four goal offski. You know, we're losing. It's like, oh, well, at least last year Bob was getting wins when he was giving up four goals. You know, had a great record, so it's not too bad. And then... He really pulled them out of it. A couple of big breakaway saves, couple of big penalty kill saves, and I think it was kind of that in the in between periods. It was we can't start the year throwing Bobrovsky under the bus again. The plan is Knight's only gonna maybe play thirty games at most. You're hoping, which is
1: about all you know, yeah. all you should expect him for. He's, he's coming yeah. from college and COVID college. So. Yeah, I
0: mean, let's look Jake Odgers back in the ahl and they brought in um god I forget who it was Hopey yeah they brought in Hopey because you know he was looking really good in the NHL but they they don't want to trust that and you don't want to trust you don't want to give a goalie the chance where they feel they have to continue to fail to just stay in
1: the NHL yeah um, and i mean look at the goals two of them the Panthers put in themselves uh, another yeah. one I, I thought could have been callback back for pushing the pad into the net. Uh, it, it wasn't; <laughs> they, they they weren't on him, and and right. even that goal, um, I, I think it was the third one. Uh, that's got to be better yeah. defense. Uh, you know, he made the two saves he needed to make on that uh, on that chance, and no one was tying up sticks. No one was. Uh, clearing out bodies yeah. in the or or, so. or
0: moving after the original shot one of the things we talked about last year a lot was the freezing after the shot they just turn they just turn their bodies and instead of looking at the, the you know the shot comes from the point they're looking at the point and then they just turn and look at the goalie and maybe they'll pick up a stick or try to but they don't engage they don't activate off that shot uh, you were seeing a little bit more of that last night um, but it also could have been because Bob was reacting better, was keeping those rebounds and, in and closer. Yeah, he
1: was he was killing the puck when it did yeah. hit his pads. He wasn't kicking the rebounds uh, yeah. super far out unless he, you know, he wanted to because the penguin was in tight. But uh, yeah, his rebound control um, w- was definitely a lot better. Yeah. He said he just looked comfortable back there again, um, which is nice to see.
0: Yeah, that that. But we we talked about that the defense. You know, what Florida's trying to play, it's a very active, very aggressive defense where they cover a lot of ice and there's going to be white knuckle moments and stuff. So, you know, you're kind of getting used to that. You're kind of pushing them into that direction is going to take some time. But that's another reason you don't want Knight playing too much is there, you know, you'll is great and everything hopefully we will hit the ground running with this team or or find comfortability. Nudovar, Montour and everything, Uyghur even. But they have brain farts, especially turnovers in the DN. And, um, you know, we we know Knight will probably play in the AHL over the Olympic break, but what do you think about, you know, getting Knight some checkers time
1: over the course of the fall um, as well? I think that depends on – on what it's going to look like, you know, Bobrovsky's going to do. Um, if you, if if he keeps looking good and, and picking up wins, um, you feel comfortable playing him for a long stretch of time. I mean, I think last year he only played four games in a row a handful of times, if that, um, you know, if you think you can rely on him, yeah, you'll want Knight to go down for a week or two here and there just to, you know, get some starts, get some time. Um, get back in the rhythm um, and stay fresh for, for if and when you need them. Um, and yeah, like you said, the, the structure of the Panthers, for better or worse, um, it's it's been for the better so far in the last year and a half. Uh, they're going to leave their goalies exposed. They're, they're going to just not be covering. They're going to give up breakaways, two on O's, three on O's. That's going to happen with the way they play. They're, they're really aggressive at the blue line. They're really aggressive, uh, you know, trying to keep the puck down low that, you're gonna get breaks, and and you don't want, you know, a blowout where the defense just didn't have it that night, uh, to kind of derail Spencer Knight and and where he's gonna go in his career. You you want you have the luxury of easing him into NHL life and being a starting goalie and being even a star goalie in the NHL. Um, there's no reason to to make that timeline any quicker than you've already made it. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly sh- seems that night's natural talent and maturity is going to continually speed up the timeline when needed, so you don't need to do it yourself. That, that's a great point. Um, speaking of kind of finagling and manipulating, one of the things that was kind of obvious in the first game was that this year, Quinville's going to have a full task when it comes to manipulating and managing the ice time, especially with the forwards, you have four stacked lines, but when you get into penalty trouble or you start to lose to a team you should be beating, uh, the time (laughs) gets a little harder to even out and make sure guys like Duclair and Thornton on the fourth line get time. Did you, did you have any fears with the ice time after game one or?
1: I mean, like I said, it's, it is tough to manage. Um, your ice time as a coach when you're shorthanded nine times throughout the game, Um, a couple of them for four minutes, you know, a five on three for a little bit. Um, It's, yeah, that's tough. And you're, you want Barkov um, and Lundell out there killing penalties. It was great for Lundell um, because he got a a, a decent amount of time (laughs) shorthanded, but on the flip side, I I feel like he didn't get that much even strength time because of that. Um, You drove down, you know, Duclair's, ice time numbers Thornton's ice time numbers and you don't want Thornton playing too much especially early on but there was probably six minutes in the second period at one point where where I don't think Jumbo Joe got on the ice
0: yeah you definitely don't want I mean, you don't want Joe playing too much but you don't also want an old guy sitting down for too long and then having him go out and like sprint for 40 seconds <laughs> you know that's kind of how you pull a hamstring um yeah less so barkov i i mean you know you you, guys like verhage you're really hoping can can take those early season minutes or, or full season minutes you know all through the year and everything barkov you're hoping to maybe save some of his energy so he can really turn it on down the stretch and into um the playoffs but what about a guy like aaron ekblad who's coming back from you know, an injury where it involves your legs and, and, you're, and he He was looking like Barkov Last night, you know, getting Every other shift, you know He, he was off, He was on the bench for five seconds But there was a whistle and They got to get him back out
1: It's a tough tightrope To walk, I think Because um, you do want to, you know, maybe try And have him push it a little bit um, You know, try and speed up getting back To 100% on it Um, but at the same time, you don't want to risk re-injury. Um, you don't want to risk goals against because, you know, he just can't skate full speed yet. Um, you know, he can't pivot as well as, as he was when he was healthy. So, um, you know, I guess early in the season, it's fine, um, you know, to try and get him back up to, to shape, um, as quick as you can, but, you would like to not have to rely on those guys um, like you did last night for, for too many games this season. I was yeah. thinking at one point in the third period when it was four two, I wonder if, and when we're going to see, you know, Barkov and Huberto put together to try and get a goal back. Um, I think the shift was thinking that they scored, so it didn't matter. <laughs> um, but yet yeah, you don't, You don't want to have to do that stuff this early in the season. This early in the season, you do want to roll through those lines. You want to get everyone their time. You want to try and get everyone going. It was nice to see Duclair score a goal last night. Um, He is very streaky. Someone scored it. (laughs) But, I I mean, he had a ton of chances. And um, Same with Sam Reinhart. You would have liked to see him bury one because he had two or three uh, pretty good chances that I thought he was going to score. and you yeah. just want to, get, you want to get off the board or get on the board as, as early as you can.
0: Yeah, I thought Reinhardt, you know, had a couple bad luck, you know, looks and stuff. He he played well enough and everything. It's just going to take a while to come, I think, for him. The second line, man, they were always just put on the ice at, like, the worst time, at, like, the dead momentum times and stuff. So they would do a lot of work to get back puck possession and everything, and then they'd come off the ice. So... You know, you're looking at, you know, the the metrics for Huberto and, and Bennett and stuff. And out of all four lines, they kind of look the worst. But, um, you know, I'm not too worried about them. It's still early. I'm more worried, you know, like we talked about then ice time or, you know, the second line not doing well is the penalties. I mean. It's too many.
1: It was it's too many. Was, they were terrible calls, but it's too many. Yeah, And the
0: ones that weren't, though, seem to be against Frank Vertrano, who had. An amazing preseason, again. He seems to score in bunches in the preseason. Um, but what always does him in is his neglect at the point in the D zone and his bad penalties. And I don't, you know, eventually at some point that has to has to stop because you can only take seven penalties in a period Once. so many times. <laughs> yeah. Literally, yeah, I was going to say zero <laughs> times, but... Yeah, once, because it already happened. You can't, you know, that was, yeah. And it's not and, just Vitrano. And
1: his two were, they're just reckless high sticks. It was, yeah. they, it wasn't, you didn't need to do that.
0: Yeah, I don't want to put too much light on Vitrano, but that's kind of been a multiple season issue with Vitrano, But it was multiple other guys. I mean, Gudis also has a knack for taking a lot of stupid or dumb penalties where it's just careless with your stick or it's, being over-aggressive with your stick when you didn't have to. And I think the best player to look at, somebody who's active with their stick, always aggressive and never takes penalties, is Carter Verhage. And, you know, that's the right way to do it. Who, I again, played fantastic. And we were talking about it off, uh, off the podcast, how, you know, a guy like Verhage, who gets compared to March's show, who left and there's a lot of drama and, you know, Stuff associated with his name will say that and comes from Tampa Bay. It's you know you, you kind of want to fight fight that player a bit. You know it, it's not easy to to like them off the bat and everything, but Verhage keeps showing how overall in different assets he's such a value. So you know, it's, it's great to watch him play. So,
1: sometimes it does make you wonder how he didn't get time. I mean, I know Tampa Bay was was good those years, but right. So yeah. was Carter Verhage. He's a he's a good yeah. player. He. Um, you know, even is, if it was third or fourth line time yeah, and, in Tampa, and be, he's, he's good.
0: And I'm going to be honest. I mean, Verhage is the type of player I would give a contract to more so than Marsha Show, um, who is kind of like a trochek in that his warts sometimes show up more than his elite skill set. Or, or, you know, better than that. You know, pretty good skill set. I don't want to say elite, but, um, you know, it's kind of lost my train of thought there but um i, I just yeah, what was i saying his good qualities. There was a lot of beer last night guys his there's a lot quality. of there's a lot of beer last night a lot of yingling lord <laughs> chesterfield especially when he got who to four two uh, <laughs> there was a lot of beer and other things at four two i'll tell you that legally medical provided <laughs> um yeah, so um, as I take a sip of beer, there, um, <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, the next couple games. We got Tampa Bay coming up, we got Colorado coming up, and of course, we have the first grudge match: Philadelphia
1: and Florida. Their season is not a cakewalk to begin with. No, it's a tough first month, um, but that's you know that that's where you make the playoffs is, is picking up points in October. Um, it's really important to get off to a strong start. So, um, last night wasn't ideal, but two points is two points. Um,
0: yeah, and it's easy to throw away the tape in the beginning of the year. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, you do have to remember Pittsburgh had played, they'd played the defending Stanley Cup champions already and beat them. Um, and beat them. Uh, they're without Crosby and Malcolm, but that always kind of seems to get them going. Yeah, as a little Steve more. Goldstein <laughs> said,
0: right? Steve Goldstein, you know. Oh, by the way, Pittsburgh is thirty three and eighteen yeah. or whatever, with Crosby and Malkin both out of the lineup, and Pittsburgh scores three two. It's like, oh, come on,
1: man. yeah. But but I mean, they were uh, they're up for the start of the season, and as you know, past champions that I think they are also aware that if you start the season well, um, it makes it a heck of a lot easier the later you get into the season. Um, so the Panthers are going to have to clean up a lot of stuff. Uh, from last night, particularly the penalties, but um, I mean there were some flybys on the puck. They weren't, you know, they weren't stopping and starting on the puck sometimes, um, which led to some opportunities. And hopefully Bob's going to continue to bail you out, but um, you don't want to have to rely on that. Right. You know, you're accepting it a, a few times a game, uh, but I thought the the amount of quality chances for the Penguins, um, particularly in the second on the third period was it was far too high for a team without their two best players
0: if you're listening to this it's hopefully saturday when we publish it Uh, and that means they're playing the new york islanders i hate
1: them i hate them so much and that's going to be a tough team
0: yeah and that's another tough team and if there's one team that's kind of set and ready to handle the depth of the florida forwards and take advantage of their weaknesses and you know, have done it deep. constantly for the last
1: six years i mean that's been a, a big bugaboo team for for the barkov panthers really it's been a um, the highlanders have really skated up all over the panthers for the last i'm sorry i'm trying not to
0: spit out the beer after bugaboo that was that was well placed um yeah i mean for as much crap as Lou Lamoriello gets, the Islanders get, uh, that style of hockey gets, um, it's effective. You could say that the best the Leafs have looked was when Lou was there, the best the Devils have ever looked was when Lou was there, the best the Islanders have looked since the Dynasty was when Lou was there. I, I, and, you know, I'm not his biggest fan. I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm a believer or anything, but... When it comes to delegating, getting belief, getting buy-in, um, and getting a team to come together and overachieve, he's pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, and the Islanders
1: have expectation this yeah. year. I mean, they're most they people picked, are predicting them to, to at picked, least go to the final. I'm pretty sure a lot of people on ESPN, like Wish
0: and Kaplan and stuff, picked them to win the present President's Trophy and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it is... And that is in a division I think of death where there's so many rivalries, you're so close in both proximity geographically but also roster wise that, you know, everybody's gonna be picking up and dropping points to everyone else. So it I don't I don't know how they do the president's trophy, but yes, I think that they're probably a one or two seed in the playoffs. And that's mainly because some of the D they have on their team are the D that get overlooked in the draft, get overlooked on the trade market, but what do they do? They're really good at winning back the puck and just moving it quickly to the forwards who who's the, whose job it is to hold on to the puck and, and to score and stuff. And, you know, you look at Ryan Pulak, who just got a seven something million dollar extension. And, you know, I look at that more favorably than Charlie McAvoy's extension for sure. So it's definitely going to be hard. And Pulak versus the Florida offensive forwards is going to be a great matchup to watch.
1: Yeah, and you know one of the things that the Islanders do really well and, and why they are able to shut down the Panthers is they, they take away a lot of open ice uh, and they take away a lot of passing and shooting lanes. Um, the, the Panthers are usually not able to use their speed against the Islanders, um, which is good for the Islanders because they're not particularly fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah with the, with the corpse of Zidane Ocharo and Zach Parisi <laughs> but uh they just seem to have the number and that's going to be a, a big early season test is to kind of see where the Panthers are going to stack up this year
0: yeah and and I think like Barkov barzel is going to have a big year where um, he does more than people think he's capable of not to say that people think he's a bad player but um, he also suffers a little bit from the oh, he's on that team, he's not going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm really excited to see them play Colorado. That is going to be, you know, obviously they get themselves up for Tampa, and they have for a bit even before they really started competing. But Colorado is, you know, the odds-on favorite probably besides Vegas, you know, with Vegas to win the Cup. And going to be the first real test. They have a defense that's just as active, even more active, I would say, than the, the the Panthers. And if you look at the depth up front, what they're trying their D to do, how they're trying to get by with the
1: goalies, Colorado is probably a good mirror team for Florida to play with. And that um, game is just going to be run and gun. That is going to be up and down. It's going to yeah, be exciting. It's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> don't be checking plus minus. <laughs> yeah. It's- like I said, the defense is planned around giving up some of those chances, and I think both teams are going to give up a lot of those chances that
0: game. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I the one thing I really like about Colorado is when they ever come to town or when you know it hasn't been the last two years, but when you play Colorado, you kind of get a sense of a team of who Florida could have been. Nate McKinnon was picked right before Barkov. Landis Kog picked right before Huberto. Miko Ratning picked right before Austin Kraus. Um, but, you know, those forwards could easily have been Panthers if the draft lottery went a little different or if that one year the Panthers didn't lose to the Devils the, on the last game of the season. You know, like there's – it's kind of like a alternate universe and, and that's always fun. And mm-hmm. then when it comes to Philadelphia –
1: Florida. For Florida, that's a must-win. I mean, you yeah, got, you got to win and, that and game. And the
0: good thing about Florida is when they come to Philadelphia, Ekblad always plays good. <laughs> so if you want to make some money, bet on an Ekblad goal in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, Happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, and usually when Matt and I are at the bathroom. Um, <laughs> usually together because that's what friends do. Um, definitely in enemy colors in Philadelphia, that's what friends do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
1: And, and and now in the gritty era because because oh, gritty goes <laughs> into the bathroom and fucks his yeah people. you gotta uh, you gotta keep one eye on where that orange monster is yeah hands do not stay to himself even in the pandemic <laughs> um
0: yeah so that'll be fun uh, and that'll probably be the next time we do an O'Brien Krulikowski podcast around around that we'll probably tailgate that and get real fucking drunk yeah
1: um, do something for it.
0: Yeah, but I mean even with these tough challenges up front, obviously it's about process over results. It's about playing Tampa well, it's about playing Colorado well, whether you win or lose. And you know, every year we talk about 20, 25 games into the season before you really start making judgments or conclusions about the team or their needs. Um, and I think that holds this true This year, even though they're actual competitors, they're guys who should be ready to go right away. They're guys who, you know, should be winning three out of four games, two out of three games.
1: Yeah, you need that time. And, you know, fortunately this year it seems that the Panthers don't need something massive um, to, like, help their season and and slink into the playoffs. Um, But that that threshold kind of gives you a chance of, all right, we've had, you know, an injury to this player. We have two injuries right now. We need to address you know this gap in our roster uh, before the the trade deadline and before the postseason, even if that person doesn't even play for the rest of the regular season, just to have them have them ready um, that you can plug into the lineup. Um, you know, it would have been nice to see a guy like ULAV get into the lineup last night, but you understand, you know, he hasn't, yeah. he doesn't know the system, he hasn't yeah. practiced and, with and the team yet. And we're not even sure so.
0: what's happening with the border, and yeah, yeah, know, he might not even,
1: you know, really be there, or you know, he yeah,
0: and we haven't even talked about the fact that you know Denisenko, Heppo, Niemi, who is a, a, I think, has an assistant letter in in Charlotte this year, so he's, yeah, you want to see
1: what you can fill from your own yeah. system first as well. Um, but, and, I mean, and, it's, it's yeah. nice
0: that, you know, this is, you know, I did a podcast earlier with Matt. We started previewing, you know, after he got sent down and stuff. But, like, we're not upset about Dennis Deniseko being sent down. It makes sense this time around. Yeah. Where in the years past, Tippett getting sent down or a player like them getting sent down, it was, okay, the only chance we have of those extra 15 to 20 goals is if we do risk this prospect. And we don't have to now. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and, and I think, you know, while we finish up with this Panthers and talk about what we expect and look for this year, you know, it's I think it's pretty important that us as Panthers fans kind of acknowledge and get ready and, and to be present during these next eight, nine years, because we spent eight, nine years, 10, 20, 30 for some people, almost 30 for some people with this team suffering. And now it's likely these next eight to nine years are the heyday of this franchise, of this organization. And you know, I'm we're 31. You know, this is gonna be our heyday too. You're, you're you do know? have to <laughs> remind us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not better. You know, it's not getting <laughs> much better in the 40s and 50s and stuff. And like you know, when we look back on. The Florida Panthers—they're always going to be the Barkov year teams, the Barkov era teams. Just like when we talk to Flyers fans, they're the Bobby Clark, they're the Broad Street Bullies, or you know, they're the the teams in the '80s that almost took down Edmonton Dynasty. You know, there's a few people who see the Flyers as the Lindros teams, but you know, they didn't have that success. So you know, hopefully Florida does, but.
1: I, yeah I, this is it this is yeah. your kind of your franchise shaping i, I, I mean, mean you, you rode your one stanley cup final appearance for i think as long as you could yep. um you know it, it is still kind of going um but like you said yeah they're with huberto and barkov being you know at the top of the charts for for points games played you know every major category for the franchise yeah yeah this it's their franchise now they're yeah. Not just now when they're playing, they'll be the face of the, of the Florida Panthers for for decades right. to and come. And I mean,
0: and if you think about it, we have guys that we've drafted that are projected to retire with us. Especially now that we've upped Barkov, and we probably, you know, maybe hopefully we get Huberto and everything. But you know, we'll definitely re up Ekblad again
1: at whatever the cost I, is. And with with Barkov's contract, I, I find it hard to believe um, Huberto would go anywhere now. I think having Barkov at such friendly deal, it, it does create a rift um, a little bit, I think, because, you know, if Huberto doesn't want to take that kind of friendly pay cut um, and his agent is not one to usually pass on trying to yeah, push a- for as much Elaine money Walsh as possible. Is, uh, definitely um, the best agent pub- that I think when it comes to publicly pressuring and, and yeah, working deals. Um, so you hope that, you know, you know, unlike Barkov, Huberto maybe doesn't leave this decision just totally up to his team. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really cool, you know, everything that Barkov says of, you know, they drafted me, I, I want to be here, I want to play here my whole career. Um, even though they haven't really been that good, <laughs> hopefully that changes this year and turns around. And, um, you know, he gets to remember his time in Florida positively as well um, with a ring or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no banners. We want rings. We, we want the full thing. Um, as far as what to, to really look for this year, it, it, it's I think it's going to be a patience, and it's a, what to look for this year is getting the team to peak at the right time. So it doesn't mean ULAV coming in and being great in his first 15 games. It doesn't mean Reinhardt being on a 20-goal or 30-goal pace by the end of October. It means that come the spring, those guys are giving their best, just like we saw Sam Bennett give his best at the end of the year last year and into the playoffs. That's what you want for that whole team, whether it's Bobrovsky or Knight in that, whether it's Lundell as the third-line center or as a winger or wherever the lineup shakes out as. Everybody's got to be peaking at the right time, and that time is down the stretch in the spring. And I think that's what to look for. How does Q manage a team throughout the year? And do we get that $6
1: million that we pay pay him to get, you know, because... I think this is finally the first time he has a team that he's used to. Um, You know, maybe not exactly the The same as Chicago, but, you know, yeah, yeah, he... I think he's going into the season much like us. We're making the playoffs. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I mean, just to interject real quick, it's kind of like now he's playing five card, ter- you know, no limit hold'em, and in the past he was playing blackjack. You know, yeah. he didn't have as many cards, he didn't have as many options, or you know, the odds weren't as in his favor.
1: Yeah, you know, he he has the team that that should get him there, um, and you know, something that really helps is being in a playoff position throughout the year. You know, if you can. Be up in that top three after the first month of the season, and then just stay there. Like it's a lot easier to stay there than it's going to be to climb back, climb up into it. Yeah, so
0: you're not chasing position, so Quinville can use the breadth of his bench, which is
1: what we're hoping for. Yeah, and and hopefully ultimately that cuts down on the injuries a little bit. You're not playing games as closely packed together as you were last year, Um, and you have a, a good roster that you can get some guys some rest every now and then if they need it
0: yeah yeah absolutely so this florida year you know we're definitely going to do a lot more enjoying and a lot less critiquing we'll save our critiquing for the prospect pool the 2020 draft and all that stuff um you know because hopefully florida has it taken care of they have the front office they have the coaching staff they have the roster they shouldn't need fans they shouldn't need podcasts and stuff or they shouldn't you know there shouldn't be in a point where we're critiquing stuff (laughs) that's for sure but speaking of teams that need critiquing the new york i mean sorry the philadelphia flyers it's hard to tell these days um and i guess that brings us right into our first topic point with the flyers is you know they play the first game against vancouver tonight i'm excited about it it could be Drew's last year I love Claude Giroux, happy Sean Couturier's re-upped and everything, but
1: does this team feel like a Philly team? It's tough to say. I mean, there really hasn't been a ton of hype heading into the season, I feel like. Um, You know, maybe I've just been a little more focused on Panther stuff, but even just around Philadelphia, there just doesn't seem to be the buzz. Um, You know, you do have the the soap opera drama with Ben Simmons and basketball, you know, for the (laughs) Sixers, but... Like yeah. the, there, just wasn't a whole lot of attention or focus on the Flyers preseason. I feel like, and I, I, it's, I think I, they just I don't have gonna expectations. Say, is the I problem. was going to say
0: that you know this year on you know some Tuesdays and Thursdays I make the forty-five minute trek into the office these days and I flip on to the Philadelphia Sports Radio as one does to get a few laughs and uh, no Flyers. Hardly any Flyers I mean there's a little bit Will they sign Giroux Will they not Will he get traded in the middle of the year What could they get for him Should he be traded All that stuff Will Hart be better But it's not I mean Palpable difference From just last year And uh, I think that has to do with You know This team doesn't necessarily feel like A Philly Flyers team It feels more like the Hayes and A.V. New York Rangers cast-off. The off A.V. Sec- Club. Yeah. The- oh, God. <laughs> that That's what it is now. It'll never not be the A.V. Club. It's 100% the A.V. Club. They could fire him and keep all those mm. guys. It'll still be called the A.V. Club. What a great name. Oh, God. <laughs> this is why you need to do my podcast. Um, but, yeah, it does feel like the a- A.V. Club with a little bit of Minnesota boring thrown in because – of you know the guy making a lot of the, pulling the strings Chuck Fletcher, um, you know and and I'm not saying we need to be Broad Street bullies fight them and whatever I mean I think we kind of got away for that I think Wayne Simmons Scott Lawton has shown Philadelphia that there is some value in having your your grit in also a package that. Can score that has hands that knows what to do with the puck and can skate and stuff like that, Um, and so I don't necessarily think that's the issue. The issue is, you know, they're this is this could be Giroux's last year, and they're bringing in Hayes's friends. This could be Giroux's last year, and they're going for the middle. Like, it doesn't seem like they're going all out for Giroux. It doesn't seem like they're also re pivoting to the Farabees Age and Hearts Age and all that stuff. It, I, I don't know what to make it's, of yeah, it.
1: Yeah, that's not, like there hasn't been, there really is no expectations for this virus team, I feel. Like, it, it, they are, they just, they're there, they exist. <laughs> Uh, they're, right? they're gonna be a, an and, NHL and team this year but that's all they are
0: whether Bobby Clark was a GM or Paul Holmgren or anyone else you never would say the Philadelphia Flyers are just there and to me that's the biggest problem I, I don't want a team that flames out in his bed but I want a team that goes down swinging and I feel like they're scared to try too hard, and they're scared to build for the future, so they're doing this.
1: Yeah, so they're just here. For, right, they're, and, and they're just here for the here and I, now. And,
0: and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say going into the season, I don't see them as a playoff team. They might
1: be, and and it doesn't. I don't know what they are, but they just don't. They don't have enough, uh, like high quality young talent. I think like coming up through the system still. Right to. Yeah. to Be in a holding type, a holding pattern type of year. Yeah, this is. I mean, I guess you want to see how you start to see if you can make the playoffs and then you start selling off pieces, but it's, it's, but you also have to remember they don't seem to have a future or a present right now,
0: yeah. And it it has to do with the fact that whether it was because Hextall waited too long or Hextall left too early, so then they started rushing guys after him, but that defensive depth that they built up that was arguably, at one point, the best in the league is all gone, and that's their weakness now. And that their weakness is centers. That's never been the weakness of a Philadelphia team. They usually only draft centers. And so, I mean, like, there's just a lot here that I think is really hard for for you and I who I, – I don't want to say became Panthers fans because – Philadelphia couldn't give us what we wanted. This makes it sound like we were
1: dating a hockey team, but I guess that's what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, the I why I decided enough. why I decided to, to change allegiances is cuz much like now they, there was just no promise of a better future. Yeah. You know, at least even what? back in 2010 when we started watching the Panthers, you know, they as... they were terrible. But you could at least see, like, they're going to be so bad, they're going to get X amount of top five picks. They're hopefully not going to strike out on those. And they're going to be good in, like, yeah. ten years. And here we are.
0: If, if you think, so, if you go from the
1: Flyers expansion
0: all the way to that 5 lockout, the Flyers missed the playoffs eight times. They've missed the playoffs five out of the last nine years. And it's going to be that's why very we, similar. Now. That's why we don't give a shit. I yeah. mean, if you want to get if you want to get right down to it, it's why the people in my office that usually Skype me or message me all the time about the flyers haven't done so in a while. It's why they've dropped their season tickets. It's why they've stopped going to games. It's why they've stopped making their Saturdays around an afternoon game. Mm-hmm. It's they'll they'll catch the score when they get back because, I mean if Claude Giroux doesn't have a good game or if Sean Couture doesn't sh- defensively shut down the other team's star player, they lose. Or it, And probably badly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say it's without Ed Schneider, there's not that whip, but I don't think Dave Scott the the president of comcast spectacore you know the the comcast owned entity that owns the flyers um i don't with with ed schneider it was almost to a detriment that he wanted to win so bad i don't think dave scott wants to win i think he just wants to make the playoffs for playoff revenue Mm -hmm. just happy to be there yeah yeah i think this is you know like most of these monopolistic corporation corporations or you know whatever I don't like talking about corporations, but they
1: don't want to
0: get a better product.
1: They want to increase their profits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and they that, they the want same... to make the most amount of money with having the, the worst product that they can get away with to make right. that and amount I of think money.
0: That is almost what the Flyers have gone into with the tolerance of what AV can give them, what this core can give them, some of the contracts they've signed. I don't know if it's Fletcher's fault, if it's the ownership's fault, and Dave Scott, if it's A.V.'s fault, if it's all of them are all on the same shitty page together. But, I mean, you got there's no risk. And if there's no risk, there's no reward. And if there's no risk and reward, Giroux's not going to want to stay here. And if you lose Giroux, you lose one of the best players in franchise history. Yeah. Somebody who should be on the Mount Rushmore Flyers
1: players bar none and yeah, i mean he's one of the most productive flyers players uh, in flyers history and in, has in, in the league he's been one of the top players in the in the league for the last or at least and has gone through 10 years and has gone through the worst era of philadelphia flyers mm-hmm. history
0: it's almost philly's 90s bad you know like late 90s like mike Lieberthal bad yeah and you know i i it's bad. I mean, <laughs> Mike Lieber, it's bad. It's, fu- it's bad. I mean, that was a triple-A catcher. It's bad. But, I mean, like, I don't understand. We were watching Los Angeles Kings last night, and I my big takeaway from that game was I have so much more faith, faith in Los Angeles, not just because they're in a Pacific division, but because their Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier's are bolstered by the young talent that Philadelphia used to have like the Akil Thomas's, the Quentin Byfield's the Carl Grunstroms, and those are guys that aren't even in the lineup right now uh, you know not to mention you know the Kotjev's and, and uh, you know Mario Kappe <laughs> yeah fantastic I mean and, and adding a guy like Dano and stuff and having Peterson play over quick but still having quick there as a backup who you know quick isn't he's not what he once was but he's not terrible and you know the flyers are signing martin jones because they're getting left behind in the goalie market i don't know i don't know it's i'm happy to root for the flyers i'll go to a flyers games when they play the kings in late january (laughs) or something like that and you know i can enjoy some stuff but I'm not putting any eggs in their basket. I'm I'll am catch no, them when I can, when what, I have
1: time, and when there's no better game. Yeah, what,
0: what expectation is there other than I expect them not to re-sign Giroux because they're not going to be in a
1: position to, and I, honestly, I don't think it's best for Giroux's family and his career. And Yeah, the fire season will just be, be interesting because it, it feels like it does have the potential to go – very south, very quickly. Yeah. Um. And it, Philadelphia doesn't deal well with that. Um, no, so not if, with these Eagles, and <laughs> not with these Sixers. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know. How are the kicks these days? <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how quickly, um, things might shake up if it if they don't start out well. Because um, I mean, it's going to be a tough division, but I feel like the Metro is maybe not for number one, but the Metro playoff race should be fairly. fairly close because the capitals aren't i mean they'll probably make it but you could say the same thing about philadelphia uh pittsburgh rangers i don't
0: like i i don't know if that metro is the best division on talent level but i think it's the most bloodiest i think it is going to be it's going to be the most hard fought yeah i mean you look at the central there's st louis there's the avalanche you know, then then there's you know there's there's tiers. You look at the Metropolitan. There's two tiers. There's the two team. There's like the one or two teams that are probably bad, and then everybody else that are fighting for a divisional spot. And
1: I forgot Carolina's back over in the Metro. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, like there's Carolina, Washington, New York Islanders, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. I mean,
1: it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough, and. The, but none of them are, I mean, I if, guess you could say Carolina, but if, none of them are particularly great either. Yeah, but,
0: I mean, in, if, even if you look at some of the models and stuff, it's not like the New Jersey Devils are going to be worse this year. Jack Hughes maybe will start to break out. I, I mean, this is what the advanced stats say and everything based on all that stuff. I agree with advanced stats. I'm just not the biggest Jack Hughes fan, so I don't know how that works out. But I guess
1: I'll trust the But, numbers. yeah, you got to think the Devils are going to yeah. be better than they've been the last couple yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, so. they've
0: been drafting well up front. And I think that they teach defense and develop defense well. I mean, I don't think Will Butcher worked out in the same way that they hoped he did, but he's not bad. And they have Ty Smith, who I think is you're, – you're looking at the deal Charlie McAvoy gets, and you're like, uh, who's going to be that type of defenseman coming up next? Ty Smith is the next Charlie McAvoy, I think, coming up. And, you know, that's – yeah, he's out. Injured to start the year and everything, but when he gets back, I think you know the Devils will be able to beat teams in that division and could cause problems and play spoiler. Um, uh, like expectations for the Panthers were so easy. We expect them to make the playoffs. We expect them to win oh, a playoff round. Two see, you
1: know, we you ex- can get past yeah. Tampa. That, we expect that's them the to have the
0: right process <laughs> and make the right moves, top to bottom, front office, coaching, all of that. When it
1: comes to the Flyers, expectations are... No, I mean, I don't even... like. I mean, I guess I would say I expect I don't even know what I to be want to at expect. some point this year. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I guess I want that, but I
0: mean, like, I kind of expect Giroux to be gone by yeah. the end of the year. Not yeah. that I want it, but maybe I do want... You know, like, it's hard to get land on expectations because... You're not sure what this team should be, or what the, you want this team to actually do.
1: Yeah, I mean, mediocre is really my only.
0: Yeah, it'd be a great,
1: expectation that they would have to meet. Yeah, which um, is
0: the worst thing to be when 2022 draft looks better than 2021, and I know everyone said last draft was below average, but um, and the draft before that was below average, but if you're looking at Mason McTavish scoring his first goal, and and some of the guys playing, I don't know if they are. So, these drafts that are seen to be much better, man, there's going to be some guys in the teens that are good. I don't know if I want
1: Philadelphia to be mediocre. Fifteen, yeah, picking 15. And they
0: certainly shouldn't be in 2023. So, like, the worst time to be... A no personality no team identity mediocre get to the average get to the middle and just hope you you bounce in the playoffs and sell some more tickets is this year next year and that's what florida not florida usually it is florida that's what philadelphia <laughs> is uh planning on being i i'm just blown away and luckily i don't have to care
1: that it it's easy to just be like, I don't
0: understand. I'm just going to remove myself from the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just the worst thing to be in Philly. You never want to just be yeah. fair in Philadelphia. Uh, no. And, and I think there's going to be – it's going to be a reckoning in the next yeah. couple of years for the Flyers. They're, they're going to have to – The only thing that <laughs> Philadelphians want to
0: be just there is Kensington. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, heroin jokes. On um, that? <laughs> the opioid crisis. Somebody should address it. Somebody in Congress. I don't know.
1: Yeah, not Robin Lehner, <laughs> preferably. I'm glad he did, but. <laughs> somebody was a little more full. Um, well, but that's another thing with the fires, you know, not to get into the Robin Lehner stuff, but I mean, we've complained about some components of the fires and their medical staff. Ten years ago. Well, and, and, let's just let's just be honest. We're not called Zell Pucking anymore yeah. because uh, like like we've Zach had,
0: Hill from the the Flyers PR would call my phone when I was a college student nonstop to harass me to get me to delete a blog on WordPress about how Jim McCrossin probably didn't have shouldn't any, have a job anymore. Yeah, and that like his. Educational and uh, certification qualifications were a little late, and from less than ideal institutions, and that you know the the players they rushed back to injury from the '90s all the way still happening till now, you know probably pointed to that. So yeah, Jim McCrossin, I know, like Zach Hill said, you're a very nice guy, and you probably would be devastated if you heard me saying this about you, but also. You know what's devastating? Eric Lindros struggling with concussion issues. You know what's devastating? Simone Gagne not being able to skate in the later part of his career because of you. So
1: Yeah, and I mean it's not just him. I feel like a lot of remnants of the no. old fire. No, but that's that the there. One, that's the <laughs> one
0: name that has been there all the way yeah. through and it has head at it. You know, the buck has to stop with him when it comes to medical science. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and like the fires, I I think they're going to need, you know, a house cleaning at some point, too. Uh, And I think it it, comes. The franchise is not in a great spot right now. (laughs) And
0: honestly, I think, you know, Comcast, if you're listening to police us and what we say, um, you know, this is the time to do the house cleaning. Fletcher, everybody. I'm not happy with anybody. McCross and everybody should go. Um, And definitely stop hiring guys from the New York Rangers. Who have literally done nothing with the New York Rangers besides Coach Henrik Lundqvist, yeah, or be a teammate of Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, I mean that—that's just the end of the story. I mean, they made one. It's—it's it's like if it's like if the Flyers started building their team with Andy Green and everybody from the two thousand and twelve New Jersey Devils. 'Cause they made it to the Stanley Cup final that one year because Brodor like started playing good again and, and shit like that. You know? Or like, hey, let's get Craig Anderson and all those Ottawa centers that made a deep run that one year. Patrick Lillian. Fuck you know? Like
1: it's yeah, it's yeah. the
0: same shit that Florida used to do. Let's go get hey, we're a terrible team, so let's go get this mediocre team that made one run and get all those and guys here. and see if they can do it again. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and I guess and and listen, I get it. I lost somebody I considered to be a brother at the same age that Kevin Hayes is right now. I lost a father at an even younger age. So I totally get the idea how important it is to have a strong support system and everything. I feel for Kevin Hayes. I'm happy that they're bringing in people, a team to help him get through it. But Comcast is a multi-billion dollar Industry, and when we talk about hockey as a business, we only refer to it when things that we don't like happens. So I think we kind of have to remember, you know, hockey is a business when you know fans want to win and the team isn't winning. Maybe you have to make some hard decisions to get back to winning, um, and that might not be using roster space to get more friends for Kevin Hayes, and instead getting guys who maybe aren't on waivers. For a start,
1: or usually a good start. guys who play defense for a start. Well, now you're getting a little crazy. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, and you know, but oh God. and it's not going to be a pretty season for the Flyers. It, it's it's really not. And it, no,
0: it's got they got to hope that they get more Ryan Ellis and they get Rasmus Ristolainen, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I like both of those people as individuals. It's just you know Risto. At this point, how much is salvageable from the Buffalo experience? Can Ryan Ellis overcome that and all the other holes on defense and the holes in center? Because you have one actual good center, Sean Couturier. Everybody else is playing at least one or two rungs above their head. Treading water at best. So, we'll see. I thought Frost deserved a chance. They didn't. I thought that was stupid, but... We'll see, yep. but again, I'm, I'm turning <laughs> on the Flyers, hoping they win, wanting them to win, just like in the past. I was hoping Florida would somehow do better than on paper. So it'll be interesting. Yep, can't well, wait
1: for the for the season. Can't wait <laughs> to see how it all unfolds. It's who the heck is calling me? Someone keeps blowing
0: me up. Spam risk. Risk. Not getting returned. Um. So yeah. Uh. Next next podcast will with O'Brien will likely be F- Florida, Philadelphia around then, and uh, we'll probably have a new update to our top fifteen, top twenty, top thirty-two, whatever we decide, uh, for the twenty twenty-two draft. So stay in tune for that, and of course Matt Lichtenstadter next week will probably have another interview podcast out. Uh, Go Cats, maybe go Flyers, but definitely go Claude Giroux. Go Cats, Flyers, (laughs) Fly, (laughs) continue to stay in the air. (laughs) I don't know. Thank you for listening. Good night and good hockey.